Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. So Alyssa, in every relationship, there is one person who kills the bugs and one person who goes, ah, kill the bugs. Are you the bug killer in your relationship? I am. I am the absolute bug killer. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. Although my husband, my husband will do it. He'll do it. He will. David will do it. He will do it. But a lot of times he does the whole like, we should let the bug live. And I was like, not in my house. <laughs> oh, not see, I like that with spiders. We had like a really intense uh, debate about whether to, to let a spider that was living on our porch live. And it was definitely not a nice spider. It was like one of those like brown widows, you yeah. know, like yeah. won't kill you if it bites you, but it'll definitely ruin your day. Can I tell you my worst like- spider story? Yeah, of course. When I was uh, living in a very uh, uh, basic apartment in Vermont, I woke up one morning and there was something on my pants and it was the very giant spider I had rolled on in my sleep. Was it alive? No, it was dead. It was stuck to my pants. Oh, yeah. It was gross. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. (laughs) So I have to evacuate spiders from the house so that I don't wake up with them on my pajama bottoms. Oh, God. This week, we're joined by Pod Save the UK's Coco Khan to take on the following questions. Which country is the bigger dumpster fire, the US or the UK, or a little of both? Why is the cost of childcare so high? And what UK accent currently reigns supreme? All this and more right now. And welcome back to Hysteria, the podcast equivalent of getting a text from one of your friends that says, hey, can I be mean for a second? Are you talking about our texts? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> but every time I get one of those from you, I'm like, absolutely. Because you Please. know when I'm going to be mean, it's real. I'm going to stop my Someone entire day. Someone is really upset me. <laughs> I'm going to stop my entire day. You know, um, can I be mean for a second? Yeah. Yeah, okay. get into it. 
the finale of Succession is coming up this week I'm on Sunday. I'm beside myself. I'm beside myself. It's a 90-minute finale, right? I, yes. I want people in the Roy family to die. At this point, oh, I want them oh. to die. I do not. They've all done something irredeemable, and I really need, I really need a Shakespearean ending. I need. Do, do I we need count? Death. Do we count Marcia though? Does Marcia have to die? Because I feel like she really, she listened to her better angels in this last episode. No, Marcia's not technically a Roy. I'm talking okay. about like oh, just Blood Roy. I, just blood yeah, Roy. I'm talking all about right. a Blood Roy or a okay. Tom Roy. A tom, a tom. <laughs> Maybe we could we could make a Tomlet and break a few. Grits. Tom Tom Wamsgans Roy. Oh man, yeah. Okay, so can't wait to see what happens. I am going to have a panic attack. Um, these last two episodes have rendered me yeah anxious, affected, affected. Yes. I was affected. I was affected. I was affected. Um, but I'm really excited to talk about different ways that that anxiety plays out for us and the reasons it plays out and whether or not we're alone in that anxiety or if other people in other countries are feeling anxiety as well. Today, we are so excited to welcome a new member of the Crooked Media fam, a journalist and host of the new podcast, Pod Save the UK. It's Coco Khan. In the spirit of transatlantic unity and a dash of corporate synergy, Coco will be joining (laughs) us for the entire show. Coco, welcome to Hysteria. How are you? Hello, mate. You're right. Yeah, good. You? Oh, <laughs> How's the bringing sauciness. Going? Yeah, love it. Love it. Uh, the podcast going well. We actually, I'm joining you, having just wrapped our uh, our episode for this week. It's been a bonanza week in Britain of uh, very sort of minor ministerial ministerial misconduct, which we take very very seriously here. And by that, I mean not at all. And uh, <laughs> also, just the ongoing car crash that is our nation and the economy. Nice. It's been a good week. How about you? Same. Same. (laughs) Well, listeners, if you couldn't tell by Coco's dreamy accent, she's a Brit. And according to her new podcast, Pod Save the UK, which she hosts with comedian Nish Kumar, the UK also needs saving and not only from having to remember that the words are God save the king now. How do you sing it that way? I I just... The same. Oh, babe, that's so sweet. You think I sing that song? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Sex Pistols God Save the Queen is, you know, they're not going to change it to God Save the King. Okay, so here's what we're going to hash out today. Does America take after its mother country, or are we innovators when it comes to having problems? Are we fuckery Nepo babies, like Lily Rose Depp, or... Are we born into fuckery privilege, but did we take what we had and make it into something even more spectacular like Julia Louis-Dreyfus? To answer these pressing socio-political questions, we're going to do a U.S. versus U.K. edition of Tour de Fuckery and compare and contrast the dumpster fires of our respective current events. So who has it worse, the U.S. or the U.K.? Who wins? Or rather, who loses? Let's make our way across the U.S. before we land in the U.K. Alyssa, what do we have up first? Gang... E. Jean Carroll, she's coming for Trump again. And you know why? Because he cannot fucking control himself. So E. Jean is seeking additional damages from Trump. Recall in the past few weeks, she received a judgment for a settlement of $5 million because uh, Trump was found liable for defaming her. Um, 
So when you are found liable for defamation, what do you do? You you take to a CNN town hall and you do it worse again and for everyone to hear and see. So what did what did Trump do in the appalling CNN town hall? Let's see. He did things like say she was lying, mentally unstable, that he never met her. And one of my absolute favorites, which uh, CNN really didn't do anything to stop, he said... Well, Trump insisted he rarely visited Bergdorf Goodman and tried to raise questions about Carol's account that he followed her into an unlocked dressing room. Quote, what kind of woman meets somebody and brings him up and within minutes you're playing hanky panky in a dressing room? Hanky panky. Sexual assault. Hanky panky. Trump said, as in this, Trump said, as some in the audience laughed, I don't know if she was married then or not. Well... He can't stop himself, and so she's also not going to stop. And as long as he keeps making these uh, absurd statements that he's already been found guilty of, he's just going to keep going. And uh, so we'll see what's next in E. Jean's latest battle. Hmm. So what do we think of E. Jean's seeking new damages? I, I think it's— As she I, should. I think it's pretty as cool. As she should. Fuck that guy. Literally, literally found guilty and within 24 hours on television, the man lives in a world of no consequence. So I hope she keeps heaping them on top of him. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Coco, what do you make of this story? What I found interesting about it as someone who, you know, has just seen a kind of potted version of it here in the UK was uh, I was the support that Trump has, how people sort of have these rallying cries when he says these horrible things about her appearance or about what I just think is, is, is very gross and lowering the tone of our kind of public debate. And I don't know how you put that genie back in the bottle. But the other thing I wondered as well, because in the UK, we have very strong privacy laws around anything related to sexual violence. And so I was, I, I, actually, I wanted to ask you, did E. Jean Carroll have to reveal her identity? Was that a choice or was she forced? So what happened was E. Jean wrote about the assault. She talked about it publicly. And Donald Trump retaliated by t calling her a liar and defaming her. And as a result, E. Jean lost her job. She was an advice columnist at, uh, at a publication in, in New York City. So she lost her job. She experienced professional repercussions. And she is suing him because what he said directly led to what happened to her professionally. Um, and so it's not like a, it, it's not the same sort of levers of justice that you're talking mm -hmm. about. Like she wasn't trying to seek criminal relief. She just wanted some- Could, could, could she have though? Could no, she have? The statute of limitations right. in New York right. had expired, but there was a new law in the state of New York that, I mean, this is getting in the weeds. There's a new law in the state of New York that basically allowed people who had been victimized uh, by sexual misconduct to file for civil damages many years after the criminal statute of limitations had expired. And so E. Jean worked under that law. Um, so it was, you know, it, it's one of those things where Trump is just always going to be a sexist prick. It's, if you remember those, like, reading about those experiments where, like, they gave rats cocaine and they just, like, <laughs> there's one button that, like, you hit the button and it's, like, more cocaine and the other button is, like, food. I think Donald Trump is, like, the rat with the cocaine button when it comes to attention. He cannot <laughs> yes. help himself. He simply cannot help, even though it's, like, this is really going to damage you, buddy. Like, you can't just keep hitting the cocaine yeah, button. Yeah, yeah. This is going to cost you tons and tons of money. Um, I was, you know, we're, we're talking about, like, 
taking the, you know, letting the genie out of the bottle, can't put it back in. I wonder, Coco, if in the UK, prominent UK political candidates get away with that sort of misogynist rhetoric. Are there, is there anybody who's kind of like frustratingly a dick about women? <laughs> well, look, you know, in this competition of our who has the worst nation? And I'd like to just point out that actually my nation had an empire, so whatever. Take, <laughs> take that as you will. That's true. Um, but <laughs> in this like terrible competition that nobody wins, we all lose, you know, Trump is unprecedented. You know, certainly in the UK, obviously our, our kind of closest comparison was the former Prime Minister Boris Johnson. He was similar in the sense that he seemed to be utterly shameless. He would say anything. He was a womanizer. He was a philanderer, although he did it within the kind of context of marriage. He wasn't uh, he wasn't known to be having numbers of a kind of uh, the way that Trump did of having however many models on his phones or appearing at parties and being handsy. That that didn't quite happen. We have had MPs and uh, serving politicians who have been involved in sexual assault allegations. Um, and I'm happy to say that most of them have been dealt with very, very swiftly. But our two, rela- our two nations are, are, are very, very close. And so even though you're seeing uh, maybe Trump is exceptional in the sense of how he talks about uh, women and, and, and releasing that genie from the bottle, but obviously we're in an internet-connected age and I have definitely seen that language maybe not play out in the political theatre, but play out walking around. You know, our one great US-UK collaboration, which isn't Succession or The Office, <laughs> is Andrew Tate. You know, he's British-American, <laughs> right? And yeah. so he's a really good example. Like, okay, Maybe we haven't seen it play out in Westminster, but we are seeing that play out very much. The the tone of conversation has become very misogynistic and we are all losing for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a super interesting point to bring up because, you know, Andrew Tate's audience and the people who are super charged to watch Donald Trump in a town hall, there's probably not a ton of overlap. And it's almost like there's this this pipeline of misogyny that has kind of secretly and quietly behind the scenes gone from like the older generation that we were like, whew, they're getting old. Few years, we're going to be rid of them. Um, but there's kind of a renewal of it among young yeah. men now with with Andrew Tate, etc. It's it's pretty disturbing to witness. Um, Can I ask you a question about Eugene Carroll? Yeah, go ahead. Mm. So. This is maybe tangential, but a little while ago, I was reading an article about whether women in high-powered positions are actually working. Because quite often you have a situation where you have a generation or, or say, in, in politics or even sports where women rise to the top. And then after that, you actually see the numbers shrink. And this article was just like a, whatever, a, a piece that was offering some opinion on it, said that they thought it was because when those women rose to those positions, they were treated so badly that it was a deterrent for any other woman to kind of do that. Um, and I was wondering how you felt about the legacy of E. Jean Carroll. Do you think that how she is treated is going to inspire another generation of women to be like, no, he did do that and I am taking him to court. That is my right. That's the only way to punish him. Or will it actually make a lot of women go, do you know what? I'm, I, I can't deal with this. This is, this is horrible. Alyssa, what do you think? I think it would. I think that the, if she came forward 10 years ago, it would be different than her coming forward now. I think that because women specifically have been so overwhelmingly supportive and people have been rooting for her and people have largely, you know, denounced everything that he has said about her in public. I think that it still goes to the point that no woman would make up being sexually assaulted because what is the fucking upside? But I do think that her experience would prompt more women 
to come forward or maybe not maybe not prompt more, but at least not deter people as much to come forward mm-hmm. just based on public sentiment, not necessarily on how uh, horrific he's been. Mm-hmm. I think there are really prominent examples of women being treated so poorly that it makes other women not want to run for things in the U.S. And I like specifically, I think when it comes to um, elected office, yeah, um, I, I think that there are some women who have been just treated so abhorrently. I mean, Nancy Pelosi does not care. Like the, she just right. does not give a fuck. Um, well, look at Anita Hill. For yeah, coming look forward. At, if you look at somebody like Anita Hill, I, there's there's a specific type of woman who weathers the storm, and mm. we see the storm and we see that she weathers it. But a lot of people see that and they think like, oh, I can't do that. I don't want to. I don't want right. to. Fa- I don't want to put my family through that. Is something right. that I that I hear a lot from from women, and it's it's really. I mean, even like Sarah Palin, she, as as awful as she was, and and as. You know, as as a national nightmare as she was, um, the way that her children were discussed publicly, yeah. the way that her family was talked about publicly, I think was really um, probably upsetting to people on at all points on the political spectrum. But I think E. Jean Carroll is an example of it going well. Um, oh, brilliant! And, and, it and what sounds, does that say? <laughs> yeah, I know. What does that say about us? But like, she just you know didn't care that you look at the coverage of her here in the U.S., and you see that it's largely positive, and the only people that are really critiquing her or being shitty about it are, like, hyper-partisans who, no matter what she did and no matter what she said, would mm-hmm. say the same things. So I think it's it's probably, it's, it's, it's like a best-case scenario with her. Um, okay, well, story number two, culture wars being fought in the sports arena. Less than a week after removing the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence from their Pride lineup, the Dodgers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, my team, on Monday re-invited the organization to Pride Night amid backlash from LGBTQ plus and civil rights groups, as well as local politicians and even Dodgers employees. Dodgers staffers across all sexual orientations were vocal in their dismay. On the other side of the debate are people like Marco Rubio, who is from Florida. Who is Go from- away, you- Marco. No, you care about the Dodgers so much, dude? Name a guy on the roster. Right, Name right. A guy. To the Marlins. <laughs> Name a fucking guy. Anyway, and conservative think tanks, I don't think any of these people who are really upset about an LGBTQ group based in Los Angeles being featured at a Dodgers game. I don't think they even care about the Dodgers, but whatever. Um, this is this has been a huge story in the U.S., weirdly. And even people who don't pay attention to baseball are, are sticking their noses in it. Um, the Los Angeles sisters have said they accepted an apology from the Dodgers leadership over the decision Wednesday to dump them from Pride Night. Um, and they said they will indeed be honored with a Community Hero Award they were originally to receive. So, you know, here's my question for you. Coco, why do you think sports? I know in the UK, sports are also a hot zone for culture wars. Is there Football like what is life? As you know, you watch Ted Lasso, right? <laughs> I hate that show. I truly hate that show. I feel like the people who wrote it don't know anything about soccer. <laughs> this show is not. Ha- they're they're like, well, we just had the match. Cool. Well, what happened? What happened during the match? Um, but yeah, but Coco, like in yeah. in what ways are you seeing? culture war issues play out on, you know, the the sports pitch, the sports arena in the UK? I mean, we are seeing it play out a lot. Um, I'm sure you've been following the news with Real Madrid and, and Vinicius Jr. He's had to speak out against genuinely some horrific uh, chants and racism from the fans. It's a sad 
fact of contemporary football that if you're a black player, you do get inordinate amounts of abuse. Um, but I mean, with Vinicius Jr., they were hanging effigies of him. Like it, it's it's horrible. And it, I mean, you imagine how loud you have to be chanting for it to be picked up by the cameras. The cameras aren't even looking at the crowd. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it was very bad. And so he's had to speak out. He's the latest in a long line of players who've had to speak out. Um, Marcus Rashford is a player that we have over uh, here in the UK. He's spoken out against racism, but he also spoke out about poverty. And funnily enough, people really went for him on that as well, which you would think that, okay, how is that a culture war issue? Hungry children? We Nobody likes a hun- hungry child. I thought we got over that after Oliver Twist. What is this? This is what, 1890. Let's take them down a few notches. Let's take those <laughs> hungry children down a few notches. Yeah, yeah, I don't like them. I like them up the chimneys. Like, it, let's let it go. It's 2023. Um, and I think there is, uh, there is this sense that if you were being generous to the people who are, you know, uh, against sports people speaking out, they might say, you're not an elected politician. It's not your place to influence society. Okay, but fine. But you are a sports person. It is your place to influence the pitch. There is no real reason why um, they shouldn't be able to. Um, Anyway, to to return to your actual question, are are we seeing these things play out? Yes, we are. We're seeing them almost a bit like contractions when you're giving birth, getting closer together, like the little (laughs) incidents. So I don't know what baby is going to come out, but I definitely feel that like football... Uh, over here, soccer, as you call it, is is uh, increasingly becoming more of a progressive space. There's uh, was a campaign that we talked about on Pod Save the UK, which was directed at men, saying if there are women in the crowd, stop being mean, use nice language, you know, don't touch them, you know what I mean. So I think there is oh a, a shift that's kind of Shit. happening. I know it's, it, it, I mean, it's bad, but also kind of good that yeah, it's totally being said. Right. just that sad that it has to, you know. Yeah, I know, I know, um, and I so I think that in in a way. It, Sports being this one place where actually people from all walks of life are united. In you know, we live in segregated times, don't we? Like, you know, economic segregation, racial segregation. There's something about sports that's really sort of brings people together. So, I'm. It is a. It is a battleground, and I'm glad it is because increasingly, where else are we all going to have a chat about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just just to bring up the the labor analogy, you know, you're you're moving. There's progress, right? Labor labor means that you're progr- hmm. it, it becomes more yeah, and more yes. horrible, but you're progress. Do you see that progress is? Do you really think that you're seeing progress, or you know, is it sort of on a knife's edge? Could things go either way right now, or is progress inevitable? I mean, I'm a relentless optimist. And perhaps that makes me deluded and stupid. I don't know. You have to keep going somehow, don't you? I think the foundation of both of our politics, whether we iterate them here in a UK context or an American context, is based on hope, right? Things can get better. We are optimists. We must keep going. And so I do think that, yes, things are getting a little bit better in terms of, if you, even if you just look at the polling, people are uh, much less resistant to outsiders. People are more pro-gay marriage. They are angry about gender pay gaps. They are, you know, there's all the polling tells you that the average British person is on the right direction. I think the problem is that the people who are the outliers are being empowered to dominate way too much of the airtime, way too much of the headspace, way too, they're just given far too much influence. So yeah, I think that there is a, a baby is coming, a lovely baby, a baby of progress, but will that baby be listened to or kept on the bench? That's the thing I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, or maybe the baby will be born and everyone will be like, well, this is a pretty ugly baby, but we're not going to say anything. <laughs> because Rosemary's baby. 
<laughs> or, you know, there's quite a lot of infants are born and you're like, that's a funny looking baby, but I'm going to tell the parents <laughs> it's cute. Um, okay. Story number three. We've got two new Republican presidential candidates dropping. First, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, or in my head, I use the way that like Donald Trump pronounces it, which is Ron DeSantis, like the name Rhonda. 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 Yeah, totally. Okay. Ron DeSantis will announce he's running for president <laughs> during a discussion with Twitter CEO Elon Musk this Wednesday. Can you think of two oh, more God. charismatic Awful. men oh, who connect that's why it's with audio only. salt of the earth, <laughs> red state voters? I cannot think of a an Iowa caucus voter who thinks more that they want to hear. They're like, you know what, who I love? Elon Musk. Love yes. Elon Musk. <laughs> Relatable. On the farms, in the cornfields. The cornfields whisper, Musk, Elon Soy Musk. Soy subsidies. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just the stoop. Ron, you are too online. You are too online if you think that this is a way for you to connect with voters, but whatever. Like Kendall to his ex-wife. You've yeah. lost the thread. You're too online. You're too online. Musk and DeSantis will host an event on Twitter Spaces, which is a platform for audio chats. Made up. Fake. Fake news. It will be moderated by David Sachs. God, it just keeps getting better. Gets better and better. A tech Where's Rudy? Where's, yeah. We, where's Rudy? Where's Four Seasons Total Landscaping? Uh, who is a Musk confidant and DeSantis supporter. Second on Monday, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott who's the only black Republican in the Senate. Yeah. The only one. Uh, announced his run for the Republican presidential nomination. The senator who has represented South Carolina in the Senate since 2013 portrays himself as a true conservative with a positive story to tell. <laughs> he does. I did find his speech compelling. <laughs> uh, you know, but you can't run a country on stories, you know? No. Well, you forget I work for Barack Obama. We had some stories in the beginning. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you got to, you have to have some policies. You you use your story you use stories to bring people in, and then you got to have ideas to make shit run. You otherwise, do. what you the do. fuck are you doing? I'm not saying that Tim Scott had big ideas. I'm just saying that structurally and uh, you know style stylistically, his speech was uh, listenable and not the dumpster fire that things like Trump's inaugural speech were. I mean, and Ron DeSantis does sound Ugh. exactly like Frog from the new Apple TV Plus series, Frog and Toad. <laughs> um, he is really uncharismatic. Uh, but, I, I, okay, so here's the, the thing about the presidency. I hate how much it's turned into, and, and political campaigns in the U.S. And Coco, I don't know if it's like this in the U.K. I feel like they've turned into speaking contests, like media appearance contests. Yeah, yeah. And I understand that it's ironic for me to say, for you to complain about this <laughs> as a Barack Obama supporter, um, because that's kind of how he got everybody's attention, by being great at giving a speech. But he won people's votes by being great at connecting with what people wanted. Um, Coco, do you feel like in the UK, it's sort of a, con it's like a, it's kind of an empty, superficial charisma contest for people who are seeking high office. So can I ask you a question first? Of course. <laughs> and my question would be, before Ron DeSantis was kind of held up as being a potential presidential candidate, had you heard of him? No, yes. Just that he was like a loser in the House of Representatives who had no right. friends. 
Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Great review. <laughs> Wait, really? Really? Was he yeah. like Mike? Was he like Mike Pence, where everyone made fun of no, him? Like, his back? No, worse, worse. They were just like, like there is a member of Congress who was in a committee with him and never heard him speak. Huh. Wow. He was a fucking dud. He is a dud. <laughs> I mean, Trump's not wrong about that. But hmm. no, he just said some like race baiting shit and got famous with crazy people. Right. Okay. Okay. Because I think the, one of the differences between our system and yours is that generally speaking, the politicians that end up becoming leaders are ones that are already working in some ways. And we have quite a lot of kind of political media. So we have like prime minister's questions time. We, you know, have the other question time that's on the BBC where the general public just shout at politicians, basically. So, I mean, we have a 24-hour political cycle in a way, right. um, which means that around election, no, you don't really get as much of the mania. Well, that's my assessment anyway. I'm sure there'll be other listeners asking how I could possibly say that. But, you know, I, I, I think that the kind of concentration is maybe a higher there. Yeah. Here's a question for you, Coco. Is mm. So for us, here we are 19 months out or how, 18 months out, however long we are out from the actual presidential election. And yeah. our cycle is so long. Isn't yours much more condensed? Is that oh a my better... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? We're 12 I feel like months we need away. That. Yeah. We're 12 months away from an election and nobody's really talking about it. Oh, and, God. Yeah. Erin, that's so yeah. your dream come true. <laughs> dream come true. <laughs> it oh. is like a really bad um, sneaker drop, though, when it does finally come around. Because it's right. like, you know, there isn't really, okay, maybe the shorter buildup is better. I accept that. You know, I'll, 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 I'll pass it on to Britain. Um, but when it actually happens... I have often felt that there isn't enough time to kind of interrogate stuff and it does go a mile a minute and then there is the moment where it's like election night and that seems to be 20 hours long of people being like, and in Scarborough, nothing's happened. And and that goes on over and over and over again. And it is, you have all the hype and then in the end, you just get like the worst pair of shoes you wanted anyway. I mean, that's my opinion because I'm 35 years old and every single election I've been old enough to vote for, my guy hasn't won. So, I mean, obviously for me, it's rubbish. Oh. At least you guys have had, you've been able to vote for someone who won. That must be nice. How did that feel? Oh, it's cool. Yeah, I guess like my the first presidential election that I was able to vote in in the U.S. was uh, George W. Bush's second, uh, his reelection. And I was at a conservative, a university with an overwhelmingly conservative um, student body um, among, the, among the men. The women were a little bit more even split, but um, it was a Catholic university. And so everyone was like, yay, jingoism, Iraq war. Like <laughs> everyone was so like into what he was that doing. That sounds like the worst college ever. Oh what? my God. God, I thought college was meant to be a time of great kind of, you know, finding yourself and pushing out oh, into, yeah. you know, uh, questioning the the notions Flash that to Alyssa Mastromonaco <laughs> at University of Vermont. <laughs> My era of discovery and socialism began uh, in 94. Yeah. Cut to Aaron Ryan at the University of Notre Dame uh, <laughs> being like, where the fuck am I? This is crazy. Um, but I mean, on a, on a serious note, like I think that's actually hearing you tell those two, two stories I think is really important because I think sometimes there's a fallacy that like young equals whatever and that's not true as your university experience told you you know young conservatives exist young conservatives exist Amy Coney Barrett the Supreme Court justice that Donald Trump appointed Ooh. in the waning days of his presidency um the one, one the woman who helped overturn Roe v Wade was a professor at the University of Notre Dame Law School which is my 
College. Uh, so that sucked. That sucks a lot. <laughs> but I, I will say that that young people, even young people who identify as Catholics and who are religious, are more left-leaning than their older counterparts. So, mm-hmm. you know, Barack Obama won that camp. I mean, Barack Obama won that campus in 2008 and 2012. So like there's just but it does, you know, it does feel nice to win. I got to say election night in the US. I hate it. I hate it so much and I think people oh, yeah. and, and and I think that there are certain people at Crooked, certain very <laughs> certain prominent people at Crooked seem to like it and I'm like this is not fun. This is not fun for me. Um they 20- they liked it back in 2008 too and I what did is, not like okay, it. Okay, I I'm, was like God, just get me through this. I mean, it was, uh, it was. Look, they they like living on a knife's edge, you know. John, John, Tommy, and Dan, great guys. I do not understand anybody who says they like politics. No, I don't think Pfeiffer does. He was okay. always kind of with with me and very uh, lots of tums and and. Uh, this is the most inside crooked gossip I've had. <laughs> yeah, cool. stick around. Working on this. Come show. This anytime. Yeah. You can <laughs> join our group chat. I will send you a. Can I be oh, mean for exciting. a second? Yeah, just us. Just us though. <laughs> Yeah, nobody else. I mean, okay. Nobody well, else. We'll, we'll talk more offline. Um, no, but I just, I don't understand. There is a specific type of person that can enjoy the run up to the election and the rhetoric and the and the drama. And right I now- I think it's people who really look at it as theater, right? Who can detach a little bit from the consequences. Well, we've talked I about like, this before, that, that the closer you are to the consequences of the policy, the less fun mm-hmm. it is for you. You know, Ayanna Presley, right? She said that on our show. Yeah, the people that are closest to the pain should be the ones that are closest to the policy. Closest to is power. What she said. Yeah. Do you do you ever watch other people? Because I watch the American elections, but I'm in Britain, and I have a different response. Obviously, do you ever watch as? Did you watch Brexit? Yes. I, I watch, watch Brexit. Brexit. I love France. France is a hot mess. I <laughs> I enjoy watching that from afar until we got our own Marie Le Pen. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was I was like paying attention to what was going on in Israel. Um, I, I'm not I don't have any particular personal ties to Israel apart from its like role in geopolitics. But I was uh, kind of with like fear and horror um, yeah. because it seems like <laughs> things are not going well over there. Uh, but I think when I when I watch you know, when I, when I, I listen to the, listen, I both listen to the BBC like news yeah. hour every single Love day. It. So we yeah. like are more plugged in, I think, than the the average American would be, which doesn't really yeah. say much. But I do pay attention in that I am like, man, it seems like things are kind of going downhill. It seems like they had kind of a little good, yeah. dodgy. Yeah, and a little does it dodgy. does it does it feel does it feel good or bad? Because I must confess, I have a touch of when I see another country doing badly, I'm like, yes, not alone. <laughs> there is like a, a only five percent, five percent. I felt like I almost felt like guilty. I was like, oh my god, we created Trump, and now Trump's spreading across the globe. And so I I felt a little I felt a little guilty, genuinely. I, I don't enjoy. You know Seeing Don't you. worry, Boris was he was he's been a charlatan for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like that perspective has enabled me to be comforted by the fact that Trump didn't invent this. He just sort of jumped on a he jumped on <laughs> yeah, a wave. That's a good point. You know, like he's not an good evil point. genius. He's an evil noticer of things yeah. that he can like tag team onto. Like, you know, whatever was behind Brexit, Nigel Farage, and, yes. and, and all of those people, like they're all kind of on the same dark wavelength. And I yeah. don't think any of them can take credit for coming up with that. And that in a mm. way kind of is like, okay, well, whatever we're dealing with is like bigger 
than Donald Trump and bigger yeah, mm-hmm. than our country and bigger than the UK. Um, but that means that we all kind of have a common enemy. Uh, once we yes. can identify yes. what that is, we have something in common that we we can all fight against. It doesn't really matter where we're from because there's a there's a thread that we all kind of need to figure out how to snip. Uh, if that makes any sense. Um, okay, let's no, take, it does. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the cost of childcare. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, mean, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount, text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have. To, I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle. Which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. 
They're very like on oh. a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a oh yeah. You've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm gonna just like lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah, perfect, perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like denim shirt, denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit falling just above the knee while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. That's perfect. He is like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. <laughs> Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that answers the question, what's all this then? (laughs) In honor of our UK guest. That was very nice. Seamless. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm not even going to try to do an accent because I know that like when Brits hear Americans try to do a British accent of any kind, they're like, this is terrible. Like, I think Brits have better American accents than the reverse. Uh, Do you mean like the time I was loaded on cold medicine and pretended to be Colin Firth in Love Actually to Colin Firth himself? Oh, wow. I don't know this Fake British accent. It was... uh, Sorry, which bit in Love Actually? We hate Uncle Jamie. We love Uncle Jamie. She's doing it. I did it because I can't do the bit. I can't do the bit without the terrible accent. But just know, I did it just like that to Colin Firth who... Skulked away. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was very nice. I thought you know they show Love Actually in this country nearely every single Christmas. Shouldn't it's, they? I just, it's I, about you. <laughs> if we watch it, shouldn't you watch it? I, don't, I just find it interesting that we watch collectively as a shared experience. We all watch that but, film. Because Coco, love actually is all around. Yeah. (laughs) 
I feel like the American equivalent of Love Actually is that really bad 2006 movie Crash, which could have been called Racism Actually. Um, Racism Actually. (laughs) Such a bad movie. Shouldn't have been such a bad movie. Have you guys seen Notting Hill? Have you seen Notting Hill? Obviously. Um, okay, great. great not great, for great. quite some time. When we when I was in college, it was one of our like comfort movies that we had on DVD. And I remember waking up many times, like at three in the morning after a night out. Like I would come home, be like, I'll watch Notting Hill, put it on the <laughs> DVD player. Come home, wake up to the menu playing over and over again. I feel like I'm dating myself. I feel like I'm dating myself here. Um, but yeah, that was... Uh, anyway. Yes. Anyway. Okay. Coco, you've got something yes. to tell us. Yes. So... You know, we have this competition about who's got it worse. And I have found an area in which we win hands down. And that is the cost of childcare. So in the UK, putting a child into daycare, nursery, whatever it might be, is the third most expensive system in the world. We're just behind Switzerland, who famously have a lot of money. And New Zealand, (laughs) maybe a bit closer. But anyway, whatever. That's uh, I digress. The point is that... The price of having a child in the UK is going up and up and up. It's having a whole host of terrible consequences in terms of many women dropping out of the workforce. We're seeing more women leave the workforce entirely because it simply does not make sense for them to pay for uh, childcare if they're not earning enough, really. You know, there was a a number of articles that were coming out that say that effectively for a a certain salary, and that salary, by the way, was above the average, uh, which is, uh, I think memory says £30,000, but do fact check me on that one. But above that average, there were many women who uh, were essentially paying their employer to work when you sort of divvy it all up. Oh my God. Some of the prices, yeah. So some of the prices are roughly somewhere between sort of 15% and 30%. It's much more concentrated in kind of major cities where women are in the kind of more professional spaces where lower income women tend to use informal care. You know, they might use like friends, family, that sort of thing. But it is having genuine... Um, I mean, I think we can all agree that in the world that we live in, a woman must earn her own money to assure that she is not held to ransom in her own home, right? That's like the sort of foundation of what you need for a kind of independent woman. Um, So to see in a modern society, in one of the wealthiest countries in the world, women having to leave the workforce, I think is very, very sad. Um, I can give you some numbers, but I'm reliably told that a coffee in LA is $8. So I don't know if any of these numbers will mean anything to you. Yeah, a coffee in LA is, well, it depends on what kind of coffee, but yes, $8 is not not out of the question for sure. I think all these numbers will be meaningless. So, But, but just over the last 10 years, the price of childcare has gone up 44%. It costs the average household income somewhere between sort of 10, 15% and 30% if you're one of those couples who lives in a major city where there's high rents. And the ramifications of that, sadly, are women leaving the workforce, uh, slowing down their career progression, um, again, more duties onto grandparents. Can't grandparents just retire? Why have they got to do these things over and over again? Um, and sadly, not enough is being done about it. There were some reforms recently. The Conservatives announced some. It's a classic Conservative reform in which actually when you dig into the numbers, it's not really going to move the dial very much, but it makes them sound good. Um, So yeah, anyway, I I hope that uh, you never want to have children in Britain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have one here in the US and uh, in a a high cost of living city. And the percentages that you're talking about are are pretty eye-popping. Can you talk a little bit about 
what childcare workers make in the UK? Like, are they underpaid? Is there a shortage? What's going on over there with that? Yeah. So, I mean, generally speaking, childcare providers are not paid enough, certainly in my opinion. There is a shortage of childcare workers. That is only getting bigger. So one of the problems with the new, um, I, I mean, do you want do you want the actual details of it? Do you do you want to know about I'm, how I'm super our crazy I've, system I've works? A, I've got an 18 month old kid that that like I've I, somebody's got. I mean, I don't know where she is right <laughs> now, but uh, no, she's, she's somebody's got to look after her, right? And like, there's no yeah. way to. I think there's this kind of common misconception among people who don't actively care for a child that you can like have them running around the house while you're doing work, which is just like not the case because kids are innovators in figuring out ways to hurt themselves. And you really (laughs) need to just like keep an eye on them for the first like five years of their lives. You need to be like pretty much paying attention to them. So childcare is like not a, it's not something that you can be like, meh, I'll work from home. And do I mean, it's not really negotiable, really. Exactly. I mean, if you expect women to be in the workforce, you have to supply some of this. And I think one of the things that I found very frustrating is when I looked into it here in the UK, I spoke to an economist and, and just simply asked, why can't we just spend more money on childcare? Like, why can't we? And the economist said that it's a political lightning rod, that it would be perceived as expanding the welfare state. I mean... I I personally think a welfare state nation is a good thing. Look at sounds our Nordic awesome. countries. Yeah. So, great. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> great. But even if you are someone who finds the word welfare very toxic, how on earth is helping a mother go to work and contribute in the economy welfare? I mean, it's 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 it smells like misogyny, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think is there like racism and xenophobia knitted into um like a, an aversion or resistance to expanding childcare in the UK? Um, I don't know if it's knitted into, I mean, there's always going to be an element of racism and xenophobia because of the pay disparity. So childcare workers are not paid enough. So I would not be surprised if there's quite a lot of uh, foreign born childcare workers, although, you know, I don't know off the top of my head what those numbers are. And there will again be that thing where if you are a uh, person of colour or a a migrant to the UK, um, you may also not be accessing better paid jobs. So your ability to access childcare is less and that gives you less options and it will probably latterly give your child less options as they grow. They don't get the enrichment that perhaps a nursery would provide. So it does certainly entrenches racial injustices. It certainly is not helping them. Though I couldn't say for sure that this mm-hmm. was like uh, it weighted how much it would be weighted more against a, a sort of person of color or a, a new migrant to the UK. Mm-hmm. I feel as though here in the US um, that there is a kind of baked in racism to resistance to increasing access to childcare. Um, like there's the perception that people who are low income have more children and thus would benefit more from the system. Um, And, you know, there's the perception that people who um, came to America from elsewhere, specifically Latin America, there's a perception that people from Latin America have more children, um, which actually doesn't really, the statistics don't bear it out as much as the fear mongers think that it does. So are you guys having a, um, because they're, banging on about it here. Are you guys having a baby shortage? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Baby shortage everywhere. Yeah. You know what they're doing? I contribute to the baby shortage. (laughs) Well, you know what they're doing in the the middle of the country, in the Midwest? They're trying to get rid of child labor laws because the baby shortage started like 20 years ago. And there aren't enough like 20-year-olds now. Like, 
there's they're trying to make it in the state of Wisconsin, which is where I was born and raised. They're trying to make it so that kids as young as 14 can be bartenders because yeah, there aren't I enough too. people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There aren't enough people. <laughs> right. They were trying to get kids in Iowa to be able to work in like chicken factories, like poultry. Yep. Wow. yep. Fucking poultry gross. Factories. Yeah. Yeah. What wow. are they saying about the baby shortage there? Are they like, I guess we should just force oh, the people to have babies. About it. <laughs> well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's one of those things, again, it's like, okay, you know, certain stereotypes of low-income people or minorities are that they have too many children. But then on the other hand, they're all complaining all the time, being like, we need babies, we need babies, we can't pay the pension, uh, you know, our, our p- pension commitments in 30 years down the road. Like, which is it? What one is it that you want? <laughs> you know, you can't please uh, any of them. And you know what the answer is. Oh, you mean you want white babies? Just say it then. <laughs> Just be easier. Like, let me know what we're dealing with. But yeah, they, they, they've tried to release... Uh, uh, in terms of like policies, that, you know, our European neighbors have had a range of them, uh, you know, even giving like vouchers and money to families who do it. I'm not convinced any of it that has had a benefit. We haven't done that here in the UK. The Conservatives' uh, reforms to childcare was their kind of big play. But just to give you a summary of how that works, the provision of childcare in the UK is divvied out over 39 weeks. So that's that's basically school term time. But obviously parents work 52 weeks a year. So even if they do provide 39 weeks of uh, paid for childcare, which again, some parents have to top it up depending on where they are anyway. Actually, when you divide that across 52 weeks, parents still need to pay for, um, uh, for, for the rest of the time. They have to you make up the difference. So what because the government provision was only applying to kind of three-year-olds and some two-year-olds, what it meant was that nursery care providers had this shortfall of money. And so what they did is jack up the prices on the one-year-olds. So the one-year-olds were subsidizing the three and two. Oh. So it's, it's, it's a classic Tacky. conservative tactic where on the headlines, it's like, we've done more for childcare than Labour have. Well, I mean, they've not been in power for 13 years, but that aside, <laughs> um, you know, but when you dig into the numbers, actually, the unintended consequences to certain women of certain backgrounds is is there. The, the new reforms apply that same broken policy, but they're like, oh, we'll include two-year-olds in it now and some one-year-olds. It hasn't even started yet. I mean, I'm sure it is a benefit. I don't want to be glib about the fact that even 39 weeks is better than nothing. But a comprehensive system that works for women is is way away. And meanwhile, they're talking about like, women, please have more babies. I know you <laughs> don't like any of the men. They're very mean. But, um, <laughs> but it's fine. It's, it's not, it's just not, it's not, it's not joining up. Yeah. You know what? I've got a solution. Um, why don't women just give birth to children that are already two? You know, wait until they're already <laughs> totally. two years old to give birth to them. Be pregnant you for as what? long as an elephant. We all love being pregnant. It's super fun. Uh, <laughs> no, it's that that seems nonsensical in like a stopgap measure. Here in the U.S. I, um, I actually. Oh, go ahead. I think I do have a solution, though, like genuinely. Yeah. What is it? I think I have a solution, which is I think they should make it easier for women to be single parents. Yes. Hmm. Because I have, I mean, I'm 35. I've got loads of friends who haven't met the right person, but they're in a good part of life. But because the costs are so high, they have to be with a partner. They have to be partnered. Yep. Actually, what if you could do it so that women could have kids without that partner, especially when the partners are fuckboys and they're really mean on Tinder? So maybe that would be, maybe that's the solution. Uh, well, I met, I met my husband when I was 35. <laughs> 
like a f- couple weeks after my 35th birthday uh, and I had a baby at 38. So, you know, whatever. Like, it's, I'm, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, he was too tired to be mean <laughs> by the time I met him. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think, I think that's, that's a really smart take. I, I know several women um, out here in Los Angeles who have done it themselves. Um, but usually mm. by the time they're in a financial position to do that, they're like just at the very end yes. of possibly being able to do it themselves. They're, they're like, I know a few women who turned 40 and they were like, all right, doing it, doing it this year. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, those are just a very privileged few who have had long, successful careers um, and and had been able to save the amount of money that it takes, the massive amount of money it takes. Um, well, I think we solved this problem uh, in both <laughs> countries. Uh, well, yeah. let's, take, let's take a quick break so we can get to Sandy Petty before we let you go today. So stick around. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that was living plus before succession was living plus. <laughs> We've almost reached the end of the show, but not quite. We are going to talk about what is keeping us sane or making us feel petty. Coco, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so it was funny you were talking about accents earlier, Erin, because the thing that is keeping me sane this week anyway was an article that I read in The Guardian that talked about American young people doing British accents. Apparently, it's a thing, which I did not know about. Apparently, it's big on TikTok, and it's also a phenomena that people just burst into British. I found that hilarious, and it has been keeping me sane all week. And I just want to read... The quotes in this piece, by the way, are incredible. And I just want to read you one case study. So they speak to a person called Brinton Parker, who is a 30-year-old who lives in the Bay Area working in tech marketing. Now, Brinton needs to speak to her employer about overwork and overload. I could imagine having that conversation would be quite difficult and you'd probably be quite stressed and you'd worry if they think less about you. But nonetheless, she has the conversation. And when she talks to the manager about having burnout, it just comes out and she says, it's affecting me mental health, innit? 
is what she says to the manager. <laughs> this is in the article. I'm not making this up. This is in the article. <laughs> in the story, it ex- you know, she goes on to explain, like, my manager was like, what? <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? And, and she says that she thinks it adds lev- levity to a vulnerable situation. The quote there... I love it, is the tougher the conversation, the more Cockney I become. So that's what she said. Now, I'm a Cockney. I'm from East London. And I've been thinking about that all week. I have been walking around being like Brinton Parker in the Bay Area has told me that the tougher the conversation, the more Cockney you get. And I love it. I also think just on a, I mean, do you guys, you, you guys do accents sometimes, right? Like when you're out I mean, at home. bad British ones. Sometimes a little German, a little Bavarian. American regional accents. I love to like go in and out of like my Minnesota or my Southern accent or whatever. Yeah. I talk to my cat like she's from Southie. Oh, yeah. You're going to go on those snowmobiles, boys? Okay. Anyway. Yeah. We've got American (laughs) regional accents are horrible sounding compared to British accents. I find them. Yeah. They're they're egregious. My husband is from Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Some of the world's worst accents. People from Pennsylvania are on. My husband's from (laughs) Philadelphia. What are Oh, please do it because I don't know what they, I don't know the difference. Please humor me. What is it going to do? You know, there is a. I'm going to, I want to drink a water. Water? Uh, Water. There's also like, uh, go downtown, go downtown. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. (laughs) Stillers? It's terrible. Yun's going to go downtown, wash the stillers. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's good, Aaron. Oh, I gotta, okay. I don't understand any of this, but I'm loving it. Yeah, yins, yins is like well, Pittsburgh in- for you guys or y'all. Yins. Oh, right. Yins. I see. It's a weird place. Well, I mean, in the piece, you know, we won't talk about this too long, but, you know, in the piece, they try to analyze why people are doing it. And I think there is something about when you don't have the language to express something because you're feeling insecure, you kind of reach for things. I'm sure any of our your listeners or our listeners on like, Pod Save the UK who have got a parent who speak a second language or for, in, who, for whom English is not their native tongue, they will know that, you know, when they're angry, they go to a thing or when they swear, they go to a thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was like delighted that Cockney has now become a range of people's <laughs> second language. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm very touched by this. It's making me uh, very happy. <laughs> I walk down the street all the time being like, Yes, bruv, we've done it. You know, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. I love that. I love that so much. Um, I'll go second because I don't want to go end my own show. Um, <laughs> I am feeling petty. Uh, I've been feeling petty about this for a long time, and I'm not sure if I've brought it up before on this show because we've done 251 episodes and I've lost track of how many things that <laughs> piss me off. Um, but I am feeling petty about TikTok ruining food. TikTok is ruining oh, and it is. food. It is. Uh, TikTok videos that showcase specific dishes at restaurants tend to go viral when those dishes are especially saucy, cheesy, melty, gooey. And so a lot of restaurants, in the interest of having their food, their menus become a, a viral TikTok fad, are adding more sauce, more cheese, more goo, right. more stickiness. And that is not, that food doesn't taste good that way unless it's supposed to be made that way. Like, I don't want to eat like a pasta that is a, essentially a bowl of melted cheese unless I'm very depressed. But like, that shouldn't <laughs> be my everyday, that's not like how, it's not everyday, cacio e pepe shouldn't have like a cheese stretch. You know what I mean? Like, we shouldn't no. have, like, oh. s- sauce dripping Gross. off 
things. No, I love, I, you know, I'm not one of those people who's like, don't season my food. I love spicy. I love different flavors. I love different, different cuisines. I don't love drowning everything in unnecessary amounts of sauces. And it's TikTok's fault. I don't think we should ban it, but I think we should ban videos of people putting too much cheese in things. I just, that's my, that's my take on what I'm feeling Betty about this week. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Al- Alyssa, you, you like, have you, did you see the video where it was like the, um, block of feta in the middle of a casserole dish with noodles? Okay. I have watched. My favorite is, <laughs> my favorite, there's one woman who comments on all of these TikTok videos about food and I will not do her accent because she has a specific voice, but she's like, isn't this hilarious? And she's like, everybody's so creative. creative. And, but in every way, whether it is from TikTok influencers trying to get like free meals and be gross about their food to these like disgusting recipes that people make on their countertops with no seasoning, it is disgusting. And I've had to stop. It is, it is it is more restrictive to my appetite than Weight Watchers. <laughs> Don't go to TikTok for recipe recommendations. Go no. to the Epicurious app or perhaps the New York Times app if pressed. All right, Alyssa, bring us home. What are you feeling petty about or what's bringing you sanity this week? Guys, uh, I'm actually, I'm calling a bit of an audible. I had one, but then I remembered there was something else that made me feel sanny and petty. Okay. Okay. So the Cannes Film Festival is happening right now. And it is, uh, it was like, I kind of knew this a little bit in the back of my head, but I really started reading about it, how several years ago, a few women showed up at the film festival not wearing heels and they were not allowed uh, (gasps) into the film festival. (laughs) Yes. And so now women like Jennifer Lawrence and Kristen Stewart, when they show up, they take their shoes off as a bit of a fuck you. But that is not even it. Just when you think the world is changing and you're like, you know what? Maybe Cannes like picking up what everybody's putting down and maybe they're going to like address the 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 like attire guidance that people are supposed to follow. <laughs> no, guys. Now they're cracking down on the men. Someone showed up in like a rose gold blazer and uh, and and the official from Cannes came out and said, uh, it is not appropriate. It must be noir, both jacket and shoes. What? So I guess they're regulating everybody now. I don't know. But as someone who only wears Birkenstocks, I clearly, thank God, <laughs> I haven't had a reason to go to Cannes because I would not be welcome as I okay. teetered like Miss Piggy on shoes trying to make myself uh, acceptable to their rules and guidelines. Oh, like a baby deer on ice skates. Um, exactly. I, you know what's, what's here's Here's my conspiracy theory about that. Um, I think that this is a plot by the editors of Wikifeet trying to get more people to take their Ooh! shoes off and show toes on Maine in Cannes. I mean, who's going to have better feet? I don't, I'm not a foot I'll person. I'll tell you. Not for me. Not no, for me. No, but Jennifer but- <laughs> Lawrence had, ni- they're all nicely pedicured when they go barefoot on the red carpet here. It's so a Wikifeet I think conspiracy. your theory is it's correct. A, it is it's correct. It's a Wikifeet conspiracy. Also, if you don't think you're on Wikifeet, if you're in any way a public-facing person, you're probably on Wikifeet. If there's ever been reckon? a... Oh, I'm on Wikifeet. I didn't know that you're I was on, on Wikifeet. I didn't know I, I was on Wikifeet. Not a chance. My Barney Rubble feet are on Wikifeet. Oh, I... Well, I... The thing is, like, somebody had taken screenshots of Instagram stories that I had posted years ago that had just, like, I'm standing on a beach and... No, like, ma'am. No, oh, ma'am. No, uh-huh. ma'am. That's oh, disgusting. The, the foot people are aggressive. That feels maybe a touch like a violation. No? Yeah. I mean, I, taking I, your I, photos. and but, oh, There seems so, some sort of 
misdemeanor, at least. They did rate <laughs> my feet highly, so I um, uh, wow. I can't really complain. Oh, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, it's Cute fine. Pictures you take the good, you take the bad. <laughs> you take the good and the bad. I don't post foot pics anymore, not on, not on Maine. Uh, that's that's going to be for my OnlyFans <laughs> if I ever do that. Um, okay, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Hysteria CocoCon. Thank you so much for stopping by. This was a Thank lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Um, you need to come back again because we need yes, to, definitely. We, we haven't solved whether or not the UK or the US is a bigger dumpster fire and I feel like it changes <laughs> from week to week and day to day so please do come back Alyssa Mastermonico my thank, pleasure oh yeah Alyssa Mastermonico thank you for being my ride or die per usual listeners thank you for sticking with us for 251 episodes of this wonderful podcast and there will be more hysteria for you next week Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. And Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. Thank you to Gabrielle Leverett-Diaz, Ewa Okulate, Amelia Montooth, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and Twitter for more original content, host takeovers, and other community events. 